0: Hi, welcome to another episode of the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Uh, this podcast is about a lot of different topics talk about technology, talk about education, talk about entrepreneurship, and this podcast is actually with me. Uh, I'm being interviewed by Kuram, uh, my Pakistani friend that is behind the Lift Pakistan conference in Islamabad, in Pakistan, that I was part of in November. Uh, it was a um, conference uh, about entrepreneurship in the region, and I was there as a guest speaker. After the conference, a few weeks after, uh, he asked if we could do a Facebook Live. So we did a F- Facebook Live and we discussed a lot of different topics and we had some questions also from, from the viewers. And I think the, the topics were quite interesting, so I decided to put that audio portion on the podcast as well so you can enjoy and learn from our conversation. So here we go, me and Karam. Welcome to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Our host, Oscar Endermo, will, together with guests, share proven, tested strategies for improving your life and business. At the end of each episode, you will learn how you can use technology to implement those strategies into your daily life. We want to help you bridge the gap from inspiration to implementation.
1: Tommy, everyone. Uh, today, I have a session with Oscar. Uh, many of you actually met him. Um, in Islamabad while he was visiting and was an uh, amazing speaker at the Lyft conference. Um, and we decided to actually talk with bit more. You probably would have uh, heard his uh, recent uh, podcast with George and Salman, uh, which I shared um, at different places and in the groups. And uh, uh, maybe I'm going to be actually posting it on the Facebook. So um, I thought uh, today we do a session um, with Oscar um, that uh, what he's up to was his background, and then we're going to be talking about their entrepreneurship, leadership, and many other things. Um, but it's going to be a very casual chat, uh, so all of you can sort of like send the questions, and I'm going to be asking him about that. Um, so let's go to him and find out. Hi, Oscar.
2: Hi, Kam. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Yes, all good in Dubai and. Uh, good weather in Dubai. Favorite season is uh, December for me in Dubai. So. It's the best time to be in Dubai, by the way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's uh, I'm originally from Sweden yeah. and uh, Sweden is quite cold. So uh, Dubai in December is like Sweden in the peak summer almost. So.
1: All right. Okay. So, um, Oscar, if you could actually tell us, uh, tell the viewers about a uh, little bit about yourself, uh, what's your background? Um, I mean, especially from the perspective that uh, entrepreneur uh, Entrepreneurism. Uh, how how did you actually proceed? What was your career, and why are you based in Dubai now?
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm originally from Sweden, like I said, and been living in Dubai since 2007. And uh, yeah, I started. I always been a little bit of an entrepreneur. I did uh, remember when I was 10 years old, we, me and a friend, we organized a concert in the basement of my mom's place and uh, sold tickets. And this was in the 80s. But my, my father had uh, bought a Macintosh. He was one of the early adopters of Macintosh. And it was quite easy to print tickets in Macintosh. You could. It was very compared to using PC at the time. Mac, Macintosh was uh, much, much easier. So we printed tickets and sold. So we made money on uh, on our neighbors. And I think that kind of uh, started this entrepreneurial bug that you can take a dream and you can totally make money out of it. So also in uh, in uh, high school, we also did a lot of events for, for our friends. Uh, we had uh, uh, discos, and we did different events that and sold tickets. And so I was always into entrepreneurship, and both my, my parents, both my, m- both my mom and father, uh, was uh, running businesses when I grew up, from when I was a teenia- teenager and up. But it's interesting, even though they were both running their own businesses, they still wanted me to go the traditional route, you know, t- typical parents, get a good education, do your career, all this. So uh, after working a few years, I, I did my degree in hospitality. So I have a degree in hospitality management. Uh, I wanted to work with events and hotels and this kind of thing. So I'm so working for hotels, 2002-2003. Uh, so i working for hotels and sales in the sales department. Work, work in selling. In 2007, I moved to Dubai to work for hotels because at that time, uh, it was booming down here. You know, So many hotels were opening up. So uh, there was a lot of opportunities. Uh, as you know, there's a lot of Pakistanis in Dubai. Uh, right. So uh, I think the second biggest um, nationality in Dubai is Pakistanis. Uh, right. Swedish is probably like 114 or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so uh, 2007, I moved from Sweden to Dubai and started working for hotels. 2009 I left uh, hotels and finally went on my entrepreneurial journey. I already did some projects on the side, but this my mom was still whispering in my ear, you should first first get a good um, education and get and build your career then you can start your business maybe when you're older. So that was still whispering in my ear, but I always wanted to do something. So I started some side things, but yeah, 2009 I finally took the step and, and left hotels and we started uh, an event business down here in Dubai. So we've been mm-hmm. doing events ever since then. And uh, the last couple of years, I also, I'm also i very passionate when it comes to learning and training and coaching. And uh, So the last couple of years, I also have a, a consultancy where we do corporate trainings, uh, team buildings, uh, uh, executive coaching. And then I have a coaching business where, where I work more with entrepreneurs uh, sure, sure. and specifically sales, marketing, productivity. Activity, these kind of things so yeah that's a little bit uh, and uh, yeah bit fast forward to now I was in Pakistan in, at least Pakistan recently and had a great time uh, was and, this uh, was this your first time in Pakistan yeah it's, it was my first time uh, I actually did a hotel school in Switzerland 99-2000 and I had some Pakistani friends at the time and they were telling me a lot about Pakistan but the uh, first time was uh, this year in November so Okay, great. We're going to talk about Pakistan as well, but uh, let's uh,
1: start with the entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, I was amazed to hear that, that, uh, from the Macintosh perspective. I mean, was it, uh, I mean, how did it start? Like you were just, uh, oh, Bert is here from Sweden, by the way. So he's watching. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he pretty much, he's, he's probably the only person who actually likes each of my, um uh, comment in the, each one of my posts. Uh, okay. not, doesn't matter, like, whether it's in English or not, but uh, even the Urdu ones, <laughs> he actually likes.
2: Ah, okay, hey, Batula Baistran. Hello, yeah. from, hey, hey, Batula. So, <laughs> then we can speak some Swedish. If they speak Urdu, we can. We have our secret language. <laughs> Correct.
1: So, anyhow, so, uh, with, the, with the entrepreneurship, um, I mean, what was that time about, like, I mean, I know my days, like when I was just starting up, because it wasn't called entrepreneurship or, like, there was no word mentioned in startups. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how did it feel? How did it start? I mean, why would you think that, that okay, just launching your own business or doing something on the side? What was going through your mind?
2: Yeah, I mean, when we're doing this, uh, so when I was, like, 17, 18, 19, we were doing these big events when I was in high school. And it basically started with... Me and some friends, and we were thinking, there's nothing to do for us on the weekend. So let's just rent a place and, and sell tickets and get together. And we had a DJ and this. So it was just that we saw it as a dream, and then we make, went out and turned it into reality. And that, I think, what is entrepreneurship is about, that you, you have a vision in, or a dream in your head, and then you go out and turn it into reality. And that's, it's not for everyone, not. Uh, but uh, for those people that like to be creative and like to, to, to see the, the, take those dreams and turn it into reality, entrepreneurship, I think, is the best way. You can do it in the corporate world as well, but it takes a uh, longer time, you know, uh, and there's a lot of politics. Okay, so... so um, Noam
1: is uh, watching from Belgium, by the way, so people have... Uh, I mean, that hasn't happened. I mean, uh, I think it's a good idea to actually people to mention where they're watching from. Uh, so thanks, and Zulfiqar, thank you for watching from Faisalabad. So, I mean, there's going to be mm-hmm. quite a number of people from all over the world. So, um, but in terms of actually, uh, you know, this uh, uh, concept that ultimately you, uh, you know, you look at the problem and then convert that into a business. Um, so con- using a problem to create an opportunity for you. That concept wasn't there at that time when we are talking about we were just like mm. not looking at those problems as problems. We were just looking as an opportunity. We didn't really go through this whole cycle because I was in the, I mean, during those days, like in the end, uh, late eighties and beginning nineties, um, I mean, obviously the Apple came out and we were talking about like Windows. Um, I mean, obviously I remember those DOS days as well.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, the DOS them. came out and we, were, and especially like, uh, you know, 8086 and 8088 processors. Um, Mm. So, I mean, entrepreneurship wasn't just simply like, uh, you know, finding an opportunity and then converting and then building a business around it. Um, Mm. I mean, over the time, how you see that, did we go onto the right path? Was this the only path should have been followed? Or there could have been something different we could have done?
2: Like for me personally, or no, no, no. I mean, overall, I'm talking about the ecosystem. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think definitely we're heading in the right direction. I think it's easier than ever to start your own business. Uh, of course, that means that it's more competition as well. But yeah, like uh, when I was in high school in the 90s, uh, entrepreneurship was not trendy. It was uh, still that you were going a traditional path. Um, and uh, I think now in the recent years, it become more trendy, you know, maybe with Shark Tank and uh, these kind of TV shows that uh, in Sweden in the 90s, they had a very good program in high school about uh, entrepreneurship called, uh, yeah, I don't know the Swedish translation, but it was a, a subject you could pick in high school, which basically you st- started your business as a, as a, as a topic. So they, they taught entrepreneurship when I was 18, 17, 19 in high school in Sweden. And that was uh, at the time, I think, but that was very good. And I recently read a report that a lot of the guys that went through that program when they were 17, 18, they later started their own business. So I think it's good if it's in the, in the educational system. Uh, you can test uh, your business idea uh, in, in an organized way. And it is this, uh, you know, finding a problem, looking at solutions, and coming up with, uh, you know, profitable ways of, uh, uh, solving it uh, so we did that i had, it was me and three other guys and we failed big time um that but uh, that, that learning process was was uh really valuable you know so uh i think entrepreneurship it's easier than ever because of th- these kind of things we all can uh you know learn and we can all start things with the help of uh, technology on our phone but i think Especially uh, in Pakistan, I was talking a lot about the education because I was speaking at the education uh, te- about technology and education. So I met a lot of people involved in education and we talked a lot about entrepreneurship. And I think this should be a topic already in high school where uh, people can choose. Uh, you know, I want yes. to try.
1: Yeah, this is a specifically uh, I wanted to actually talk to
2: you about. So just quickly,
1: just to let people know, Naman, uh, Nazim, um, I mean, a lot of people are kind of, like, all over the place. Amir from Karachi is watching, and then Pavad is saying, like, my mark on my nose because I fell down during the lift conference. So, I mean, it's still there.
2: Yeah, I remember <laughs> I, I met you the morning after when you fell, and I thought someone hit you. but Correct. It was like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to take a while because it's um, kind of... What I did was, like, I didn't actually take care of it because I was just running, like, here and there. So I just, like, put the tissue here and... So it, it really left a mark because uh, I could have, uh, should have gone to the doctor
2: and then had the proper bandage. Yeah. Um, so it's a good, it's a good memory from live Pakistan. <laughs> I know how stressful it can be to run events, so you, it will always remind you. Of correct. The first correct. year.
1: So Asif uh, from Lahore, uh, Shafia is watching. Um, so basically, um, this is what I want to talk to you about uh, specifically because everybody, most of the people who are actually watching. Um, I mean, obviously, are the entrepreneurs or have got something to do with their startup, or they are the co-founders. Um, so that's usually the viewership anyway. Uh, so for them to uh, explain about the entrepreneurship, I think is not the way to for, move forward. But what is what is uh, we want to do in Pakistan? I think that's going to be a lot more critical in in years to come. Now, I am fundamentally against the concept of teaching entrepreneurship.
0: So okay. I, let me
1: come very clean on this. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, people did try to convince me on this that, yes, entrepreneurship can be taught. And then, uh, you know, those workshops or trainings and all those kind of things. Um, but I fundamentally believe that y- you cannot actually teach the entrepreneurship. Yes, you can teach right. accounting. You can teach, uh, you know, management. You can teach some other elements which can be used in the, you know, in the journey of entrepreneurship. But you cannot teach it, entrepreneurship itself. What's yeah. your take on it?
2: No, no. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's, uh, you it's, it's something, it's like physical training. It's not, not something you read about. It's something you do. And I think it's the same in entrepreneurship. But this uh, course I was t- talking about in Sweden was not actually a theoretical course. You actually, during two semesters, started a business with the help of, so the, so the, the teacher was more like a facilitator or a guide. So you actually started a business. So, so, for for example, me and three guys, our business was to um, we wanted to sell advertising space to our school cafeteria, to uh, restaurants, in the, or to businesses in the area. So, so then we don't just do a theoretical plan; we actually do the whole process. So, so that's I think entrepreneurship comes from doing, learning from learning by doing. So, I 100% agree with you that just listening to someone. Uh, Doing lectures about it uh, it's not the way you need to experiment you need to test of course you can learn from someone that's been there before to shortcut the process because there will be a lot of mistakes and you as an entrepreneur had to go through those mistakes but you can also learn from other people's mistake uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah just a fun story about that uh, that course uh, so I was—we we were four people, and we had all different roles. And my role was to do sales. So I was supposed to do sales. So we had this concept that we would do pens and different things with, and then the neighboring businesses could uh, uh, sponsor and pay for advertising space. So my role was to to call these people as sales. And I—I I, I had one client I was supposed to call, which was McDonald's, which was a close by McDonald's. And I was so nerv- nervous. I was—I think it took three hours for me to pick up the phone and make that phone call and once I took up the phone and made the phone call the phone call lasted for about two minutes and she just said we don't sponsor these kind of things thank you so much and that was like a huge uh, and now I've been in sales since 2003 and uh, you know those lessons were interesting uh, another point is um,
1: you know people say that the entrepreneur um, is kind of like a born Uh, you have to have those qualities in you um, again, I, I do not agree with that statement either because, I mean, you have certain, um, you know, edge in your personality, which you're going to be ultimately uh, have advantage over certain people. But, I mean, there are things which you can actually learn over the time to going through the experience. I've seen people have got their right brain very strong and then ultimately gone through like some life changing experience and their left brain <laughs> actually started doing the exact same thing or had the same strength. So, I mean, yes, you can, I think, in my opinion, you just have to go through intense experience
2: of yeah. learning. Yeah. What's your take? Yeah, first say hi to Shafia. I, I saw her talk about, uh, yeah, uh, hello to, from Dubai. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, I don't think entrepreneurship is um, for everyone. Uh, I think it, it takes... Uh, it's a certain character because it is uh, tough at times but I think anyone, I've seen all kinds of entrepreneurs I've seen extroverts, introverts, I've seen all kinds of it but I think it's about self-awareness and knowing what you're good at and what you're bad at and that has taken some time for me to, to figure that out um, and I think if I just give some, uh, some tips on that, that there's a lot of uh, online assessments that you can do for free uh, for example 16personalities.com which is based on Myers-Briggs. Uh, that's completely free, and you get. Uh, and then you can uh, pair yourself with people that complement you in other strengths, because. Um, so I, yeah, I agree with you that everyone, anyone can do an entre- be an entrepreneur, and do entrepreneurial things. Uh, but yeah, self-awareness, and then uh, be ready to uh, have ups and downs. It will be tough from from time to time, you know.
1: Okay, in, in terms of, I mean, there are like certain number of things. Um, I mean, you need um, to become like, uh, you know, leadership skills, management skills, accounting skills, like, you know, all all those skills you need in in terms of the human resource management skills, um, raising fund skills, pitching skills, standing, I mean, I mean, all those skills because you don't have the team you're just like by yourself or you have like a co-founder with you, how um, important is it for you to have those leadership skills beforehand, before you actually embark on this journey? Or in your opinion, just get on with it. And then over the time, you will learn that. What's your opinion? on that?
2: I mean, yeah, sometimes I discuss this with my father. My father was running businesses in Sweden for like 20 years. And same, exactly the same discussion, like, should everyone do ent- be an entrepreneur? And it depends also a little bit on uh, your situation, you know. Maybe if you're working full-time, maybe you can do the entrepreneurial things in in the evenings to start with, you know, as a side project, so you don't just uh, uh, go all in immediately, you know, because there's a little bit of a risk to it. Um, what was the question again? So, basically, the, over the time, like, I
1: mean... Yeah, yeah, so learn it, all those leadership skills over the time and go fail a couple of times and then maybe like being successful some of the time. Um, and then you learn all those skills, like how to manage team of like 50 people, for instance. But mm. at the, uh, to start with, you have to actually do those, that work, which is going to be done by the 50 people. So in the mm. beginning, you don't have those skills. So yeah. what's the best strategy? Like just get on with it or like work on your, a skill set first
2: I think it's a combination uh, uh, of both, but uh, learning by doing is always always the best, but um, with technology there's so many opportunities to learn from others uh, that doesn 't take extra time. so now I normally say there's, I think there's like eight million motivational videos on, on YouTube, so you can watch eight million videos <laughs> or you can start. <laughs> And uh, I think it's uh, good to combine it. So, and now when I when I coach entrepreneurs, I talk about just-in-time learning. So instead of just learning for learning's sake, which I'm guilty of sometimes, because I love to learn. I mean, you can see my some of my books. I just I just like to learn. I love to learn. And well, now Sahid came online. I think he's a learner as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Sahid. Um, so now when I work with entrepreneurs, I tell them to do just-in-time learning. That is, what is the biggest challenges, challenges at the moment? And then find a book or a course or a podcast or a YouTube video uh, about that particular topic. So there's no point in learning how to manage 50 people when you're a startup and you're pitching. You know? <laughs> so you, you go out, you do, you experiment, uh, you learn, you have ups and downs, tough times. And then just in time learning, okay, so now... Uh, the coming weeks we're going to pitch, okay? So find a couple of books on selling, on influence, uh, watch some YouTube videos, w- listen to some podcasts about that. So that, that's normally what I recommend, just in-time learning.
1: So basically, we were going to talk about the personal development as well. I mean, that was the third point we were going to talk about. So, I mean, and I, I love the number of books you have in the background. I have tons of two. But, I mean, over the time, one thing I realized is, um, and I think you're going to have like a great side insight to actually share with us on this particular point because, um, I actually stopped reading books, um, um, a few years ago. Like, uh, I would say like about two, three years ago. And uh, the primarily what I noticed was that when I would finish the book, I would start thinking the way what the author was trying to actually convey to me. So basically my mind was becoming all like kind of amalgamation of like whatever books I was reading. Um, and then th- th- then the, this last couple of years, it was like a lot of creativity actually kind of um, seeped into my mind because I wasn't reading any books. The mm-hmm. only thing I would read, in fact, I stopped reading news as well. Uh, so the um, only thing I was, was getting to me was maybe uh, some notifications through my phones, <laughs> which I actually set it up. Or maybe occasionally when I go through my Facebook timeline, I see certain people are actually posting some information. So, mm. I mean, that's the only information is getting to me. So now mm. I have tons of opportunity to contemplate, ponder, mm. and then mm. at the scenario and just build my own case. Mm. Yeah. I mean, what do you think?
2: Yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good point. I think reflection is very important. Uh, I like to use nature for reflecting, that uh, turn off. Everything, all that, and I need. To, I, I I can get better at this because I I normally always listen to something. But you know, here in Dubai, I had the opportunity to go down and walk on the beach. Maybe you can do it in the summer. Now it's too cold for you, I think. All right. <laughs> but uh, no uh, reflection and uh, using nature. I mean, if you think, look at all the big thinkers. They all use nature as a tool to to spark creativity. So I think once in a while, once in a while, turn everything off and. I mean there's also this learning I I guess it goes in in waves it depends on what you need uh, maybe you you don't need anything at the moment but yeah sometimes I think it's good to to learn from people that's been through it but yeah reflection as well so it's a, a combination I think
1: so um Shafi is saying that I believe uh, you can learn side by side. Uh, both of you should be visionary too. So visioner, vision is another element. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we are learning, but again, how to kind of like balance the two together because most of the time you are actually listening um, and learning is usually is happening because, uh, I mean, there are like two, three intakes. One is you're learning from books, you're learning from people, or you're learning from your own experiences. Mm-hmm. How do you balance the three?
2: Yeah, the best is of course to to listen to the talk shows by Kurram. This live, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, yeah. I guess it, it all depends on where you are in the journey. And uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, actually yeah. this is really a good comment. I think I want to I want to pause it right there. So um,
1: and let's let's explore this point because. You know, half the time, like, we are just thinking that it's all linear, that, okay, I'm just going to, like, because of the education system we went through, uh, it seems like this is going to be ultimately something that we go through this elementary school, then middle school, then high school, then university, then maybe, like, a doctorate, post-doctorate, and everything. Because our mind is, like, that's how we've been trained. So, mm-hmm. uh, you think, like, it's not like this? You, you're going to have your own
2: time zone you're going to live in? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, I don't. Sorry to all the PhDs out there, but I think when you narrow in too much on one one topic, it's not always good for entrepreneurship. I think it's good to have know a little bit of many different topics for the entrepreneurial mind. But uh, uh, so I think I think learning should be for life. Now everything is happening so fast. We were talking to this uh, with Sahid about this at the. uh, his uh, edutech, and everything is happening so fast edtech yeah that uh, if we don 't keep up to date we we will be replaced by AI or a robot or uh, you know, so we need to constantly update our skills but yeah it it is a little bit balanced this like you said you learn by doing, learn by reading, and learn by like listening to the, these kind of things but I like to use this net time. That, that's why I don't watch that much YouTube. I, I like to listen to podcasts because I can do that in the car. So if I'm on the way to a meeting, I just listen to – I was listening to a podcast today on the way to a meeting, you know, and I can learn in my commute. So use that time, and that, that's not extra time, you know, except that sometimes you need to turn it off and reflect as well. All right. So,
1: I mean, this, this nicely connects us uh, with our fourth point we were going to discuss, which is the technology. Now, I mean, the technology bit is, um, you know, continuously we've been hearing this, um, and especially in the videos, and a lot of videos are actually coming up. Um, and some of the, you know, my um, brain scans are coming out as well. The worst sort of, um, you know, negative impacts uh, uh, is going to have on our lives and everything. People are talking about, like, social uh, problems because of the technology. People are talking about, like... Uh, you know, our kids are not, their brain is not fully functional because they are exposed too much towards the technology. So, I mean, there's going to be, a, that's why I, I just want to allocate quite a bit of a time towards the technology. Uh, what's your take?
2: Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, we uh, see it, you know, with the kids uh, addicted to games and also us adults uh, constantly on our phones checking the latest. Uh, so there's a couple of, uh, like, if, there's a big challenge to be human. And the 21st century, there's some added challenges. And technology has added to this. And that is the attention span is going down. There is too much information. There's information overload. There's uh, rapid change, disruption. Um, uh, everything is going so fast. So these are extra layers on top of the normal challenges of being human. But technology is not always good. We need to – sometimes I, I give a lot of keynotes about this. And what I normally say is the most important function on this phone is the flight mode to, to switch it off. Because yeah. once in a while you need to switch it off. And uh, my wife, she's in the other room now, but she, she will say, like, hey, you need to switch it off more. And I need to get better at this as well because, yeah, I'm a little bit addicted to my phone. We we all – so I knew, I used to say that the apps were neutral. But I don't say that anymore. The apps are not neutral. They're doing their best to make you addicted so you're 24-7 on your phone. They're programming them. So like if you play Candy Crush, they don't want you to leave the phone. They want you to be there 24-7. So we need to take the command. We need to learn to shut off the phone from time to time. Um, when I give keynotes about this, I normally tell parents, when you pick up your kids from school and you go home for dinner, put your phone on flight mode for two to three hours and just tell everyone in your circle, between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m., you cannot reach me. My phone is on flight mode. And that's how it was, you know, when you and me grew up, you know, you couldn't be reached all the time. Uh, So that's something that I, um, yeah, we need to, uh, we need to take control of this. Uh, Technology is great, but we need to be the masters and we need to balance, uh, you know, turning the phone off, leaving the phone and uh, using it as a good tool.
1: Actually, Oscar, I was thinking, uh, I don't know, let's have a a little bit of conversation on this point because... I mean, I was actually thinking um, yesterday or the day before, something like that. Uh, it thought like we could be—I don't know—this thinking that what you just said, just uh, just to revisit it. I mean, when I when I look back, like I mean, I used to play. I think three, four hours of Pac-Man and Galga and all those games. We were on those, you know, all the time. Yeah, <laughs>
2: so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a Spectrum 64. Did you have Commodore or a Spectrum? No, Spectrum 48. Correct, correct. So I, I mean,
1: I I mean, I, I didn't have uh, the computer till um, till eighty eight. I mean, that's that's when 88 and, uh, um, uh, eighty eight and eighty eighty six came out, like the the very first. We used um, to call it XT and 80. But before yeah. that, Commodore sixty four was there. But I'm talking about actually going to the video game place, uh, to arcade. Did, uh, yeah. arcade games. So yeah, yeah. you know, when I when I look back, only time we were obviously we didn't have the twenty four hour access to those but even at that time our parents my parents used to say like okay i mean this is going to ruin your life you're just wasting so much time on the video games i mean all the money you were spending all your pocket money you were spending on those coins we used to put in and <laughs> i mean when i look back like the only time other than that which we used to spend in school and i hardly i mean even the homework we were just skipping so maybe yeah. like this age is like that that yeah, I don't know, yeah. So I don't know whether, maybe like 10 years down the line, we were just going to be looking back and this. Ideally, we would say like this is the time they were best. At.
2: So Yeah, no, it, it, it's a very good point. And uh, yeah, it was the same for me when we were kids. Like uh, my brother is a little bit older and he, he managed to buy a Commodore 64 and we would play that game with, like for hours, you know. Our parents had to come down and tell us to stop, you know. So we were addicted to those games as well. So yeah, maybe it's a generation thing. I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, the games are, of course, much, much better. And um, a little bit, the graphics are more real and uh, more violent. So, yeah, I don't know how the effects will be on the brain. I I asked uh, my mentor, which is a psychology professor in Sweden, what he thought about this. And he, like, what are the research saying, basically? And he said, uh, it's it's both. Like, it's both good and bad. Like, the kids develop creativity. They learn faster but also the attention span is going down. So, so it's both. But I think, like everything in life, it's about balance. It's about, uh, yeah. like, if you cannot play all the time, but you should, you, if you don't play, then <laughs> you're behind as well. So yeah. another, it's just about balance. another point I wanted to take your
1: input on. Um, you know, I, I've actually thought about it a lot, like in the past six months uh, or so. And then I tried to actually analyze this. Uh, That if you look back like in, in last 20 years or so, I mean, we slowly started with the spending time on the games. So initially it was an arcade game, then our work kicked in and then we started working on the computer. So, I mean, rather than working physically on something, we would just like work a lot of time. Now it's effectively when I work, like I manage roughly about 50 people team. And um, when I interact with them, most of the time I'm, I'm actually communicating with them. I'm, I'm literally, I think about 90 percent, above 90 percent of the time I'm spending in front of the computer, and that's the, my productivity for for the company.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, um,
1: and then other time, like obviously when we we're planning for the conference and, and interacting, like we are interacting right now with all technology. Now, it, it's is going to increase? It's not going to decrease our interaction with the with the technology. Yeah. And it, the, now the kids are playing games. They are doing homework. They're, even the submission of homework is on the on the laptop. So, mm. uh, uh, and now there's a VR element coming in. Mm. So, yeah. uh, I mean, a lot of kids now are spending time in the VR. Mm. Uh, and then more so, let's say if you are spending, start to spend more time in the VR, then you are effectively going in that direction where this is your life mm. effectively. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, w- wouldn't there be more, effective um
2: if if their future life is going to be spent more in vr <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, i think this uh, personal interaction is still uh, i mean okay when vr is uh, gonna be better and better but i think the personal interaction is still so important i have a, a new uh, partnership with a swedish training company i'm taking some of the training concept to 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 dubai And they do a lot of sales training, and and their name is Moderna Kompetenser in Swedish, which means Modern Competences. And I interviewed these guys. uh, What is a modern competence? And they said uh, it's actually back to before technology, communicating. That's a modern competence. How to interact with people, how to make friends, and how to collaborate. That's a modern competence. And I, you have most of your team in Pakistan, while you you manage. Isn't it better when you all meet when you are in Pakistan than over technology? Again, this is—I I think you're posing a question to me, but
1: um, I mean, I, I look at both ways. So, for instance, um, for the personal interaction, I think is is good in terms of like when I sit down with them, like we have a good time. And uh, but at the same time, if I look at the uh, look look at the bigger picture. It doesn't allow me to look at the bigger picture when I when I'm with them
2: mm-hmm. so it,
1: it gives me a bigger picture when I'm not with them and mm-hmm. then it's still what gets gets done because I, I'm able to actually take a step back and then just basically unplugging from that scenario uh-huh. so Plugging from the physical world going mm-hmm. into a virtual and getting all this perspective which you probably won't not going to have the, that perspective while mm-hmm. you
2: are in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interest, interesting perspective. I never thought about that. But yeah, I guess we, you can shut down the screen and, and uh, immediately go and do something else, you know, without uh, someone coming and asking you things. So you, you know, it's a little bit different managing now when technology is like, so big part of being. Uh,
1: I, when, I, when, I'm there, when I'm with the team, I actually sit on the floor. I don't have the separate office. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, anybody can walk in anytime and. I'm just, yeah. like, busy and then looking at the problems and then looking at the, you know, scenarios and different things. Um So, yeah, this this gives me good time in terms of, like, uh, you know, to reflect on the whole scenario and the business strategies and connect with the, the different things. Anyhow, uh, I had actually asked another question. Could you please talk on how could we convince private schools, colleges, universities, owners to make entrepreneurship as an integral part of the curriculum?
2: Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, again, you know my thoughts. I just <laughs> said <it. laughs> you cannot be taught.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, so, so my thought is that um, the way that they do it in Sweden is actually quite good. And, uh, Sahid, I can try to find some reports that shows how effective this has been in Sweden and send it that when you promote in Pakistan. Because that curriculum... It's not theory-based. It's not a lecture. It's not a teacher talking. It's actually setting up a company when you're 16, 17, 18. Uh, and that, I think, is a good experience. And a lot of the people that do it, they continue the business after. Uh, so, like, normally when you're 17, 18 in Sweden, in the summer, you have a summer job to, to, you know, make some extra money. But the ones that set up the business successfully, they continue the business over the summer instead. So uh, there are ways of doing it, I think. Uh, uh, but uh, convincing, so the question was to, to convince the private schools and university owners to make it. So, yeah, Sahid, maybe uh, send me an email after and maybe I can find some reports and maybe those reports can help you to uh, promote it in Pakistan.
1: Um, Ali is asking, technology will now keep on disrupting old traditional industrial processes and once that happens, it will not go back. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's the comment. In last 30 years, we witnessed whatever guests uh, digitize, um, goes into deception and then inception and disruption. That's a good process. Deception, mm. inception and disruption. Mm. So yeah, that could be one of the cycles. Mm. Um, Shafi is saying, I have noticed that the people have stopped thinking and using their mind, but to, uh, Google for everything and that Google is locking their ability to think since it's a quick solution instead of help. So it's important that we teach our children to brainstorm things. Um, that's, that's a, okay. I, I think we can discuss on this point like for quite long. Uh, anyhow, you want to comment on that, but then I'll. No, no, I want to hear your comments first
2: and then I'll, I'll, I'll come in. Okay, yeah,
1: right so I mean, yes, um, uh, you know, the good example is my young ones. So uh, my older ones are like, uh, you know, they're old. Uh, I mean, the older one is now turning 18. But the young ones are like 10. So they actually grew up with Alexa. <clears throat> so last five years, four years, I mean, they do not Google. I mean, they do Google when they don't have the Alexa. But the rest of the time when they're actually doing homework, um, I mean, they sit uh, literally there, uh, you know, on our you know, family table, uh, you know, in the kitchen, and then Alexa is right there. So um, even when they do, like, their homework, uh, especially with the Kumon and other ones, they um, they have, uh, you know, they have to write an essay. They have to uh, make some words which have to fill in the blanks. Um, so they do not really um, make any spell mistakes because uh, instantly they ask how to spell conclude um, uh, from Alexa, so that's how they grow up. So they switch on, um, you know, lights in the living room by saying Alexa, switch off the lights. Um, they change the, uh, you know, the temperature upstairs by saying Alexa, uh, change the temperature to 72 Fahrenheit. So mm-hmm. it, it, once the generation is growing up with that tech, I mean, soon is going to be uh, just saying to your microwave, set the time to one o'clock. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, for one minute, or like saying, uh, "Can you, ma- uh, Alexa, make a note for uh, my meeting at 11 p.m. tomorrow?" Um, mm-hmm. or I'm going to be coming back, or effectively doing everything by just talk, not even going on the Google. Now you have a generation the, the, going up with this.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the microwave will even speak back to you and say, "No, no, no. One, I think you should do it two minutes, not one minute." You know? Correct. The microwave will speak by itself. Exactly. <laughs> the AI.
1: A microwave and your fridge is going to be your brain for the whole, you know, your life soon, because that's going to be ultimately like, you. Hey, you didn't buy
2: milk. Sorry, go uh-huh. ahead. No, the, the fridge will scream at you, hey, you didn't buy milk, or it will yeah, stock up ex- by itself. Exactly. So, uh,
1: I mean, the fridge is going to be ordering your, like, uh, you know, drinks and the milk and the eggs and everything that uh, you have to get that uh, ordered. And yeah. you're not going to be going to the stores. So I mean that we were thinking about like five years ago. So that's my thoughts on it. I mean now,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. I mean for me, uh, remembering things is different nowadays. We don't need to remember as much as we used to. Like my parents and my grandparents, they were they know all the kings in Sweden for the last eight hundred years. Uh, I don't, but I can easily find the information just one click away. But uh, so so memorizing is not. I don't think we need it the same way as before. Creativity, for sure, we need to teach our kids to be creative. So brainstorming is part of that. Um, but uh, memorizing, uh, critical thinking, we need to be critical and be able to analyze different sources. Because, uh, for example, I read an article the other day on Wikipedia, which was put up by a comedian. That was clearly, he just put it up and put some fake sources on there. And if you don't know, if you don't think critically, you just accept what is there, then you can have a problem so you we because yeah wikipedia is not a, you know 100% trust. it's anyone can a- a- add to it and if you are there on the wrong time then it's not the correct information yeah so so creativity critical thinking uh, i definitely think we should teach our kids these skills but memorizing i'm not sure i agree with everything uh, but at the same time my memory is not as good as it used to be like uh, i trust google maps so good so I, now, I cannot find my way around without Google Maps. And also, like, phone numbers. I remember most of the phone numbers from my friends when I was, like, 14, 15. But I don't remember the phone numbers that I from the last two, three years. Because, yeah, I did, I did need for it. So, yeah, maybe that's part of the brain that we should practice as well. But I think creativity and uh, critical thinking are definitely the skills that we need to teach our kids.
1: So, I mean, I was uh, on the education system. Um, I've been thinking for a while now and I've sort of like kind of started describing the structure of the future of the education system because for the last 200 years, I mean, nothing has changed. I mean, uh, in the last 200 years, we haven't changed two things. One is the toilet and the other one is the education. (laughs) So, (laughs) toilet, uh, Brill Gates is taking care of it, but nobody is taking care of the education system.
2: Um, so all your entrepreneurs out there, there you go. The two big opportunities: toilets and education. Correct. So
1: for yeah. the education, I was, um, you know, more sort of like, okay, scrap the whole thing, and then come up with something new. And the new thing is, uh, as you rightly said, is the creativity. So I mean, there is no subject which is taught in this school uh, as which is which we can call creativity. So I think one thing we have to do in the interim is to include. The subject called creativity. Um, and I think we do not have to teach. I mean, all those classes, I don't know why we are teaching all these classes uh, to the kids, which uh, they do not need. I think at this point in time, especially in elementary school. So, I mean, the only two things needs to be taught, especially in the beginning uh, years, is one thing is the literacy. So one is one is the language, one language. And does not have to be like two or three languages? Uh, because the language can be learned uh, within like three to four months. I mean, if somebody wants to do that. Uh, so we do not have to spend years and years in the school for them to like uh, uh, learn as one subject. And the second thing is the creativity. So, I mean, if, if we can teach like four hours every day to a kid, uh, a creativity and another four hours, um,
2: uh, uh, one language, I think that would be the way forward. I agree with you. Uh, I'm very inspired by uh, mental training, which is uh, developed by a Swedish psychology professor. And he talks about childlike capacities. Uh, So not being childish, being childlike. And uh, he has all these uh, competences that starts with C. I think he has 21 of them. But some of them are uh, cheerfulness, uh, confidence, and yes, creativity is definitely one thing. And kids are naturally creative. But there's actually studies that show that they are more creative before they start the school system. And then two, three years in the school system, they're less creative. So we're actually teaching them the wrong way. So no, creativity for sure. Uh, That's uh, one skill that definitely is needed in the future.
1: I mean, have you looked at the Finnish um, schooling system? They have made certain changes. There's no homework. And now they're a lot. I mean, I don't know whether you got the chance to look at it.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Sweden, Finland is like India, Pakistan. Like when Sweden plays Finland ice hockey, it's like, uh, you know, it's like you guys play cricket with India. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the the Finnish school system, they get so much praise because they are very high on all these uh, studies, the pizza, these uh, scorings. But for me, those uh, national tests are not what counts scoring high on those national tests, because that's not a measurement of creativity. Uh, I think the school in the school system you need to, uh, like the, my nephews are in Montessori, which is a curriculum that is very, uh, you know, you can choose a uh, little bit yourself what you want to work with and you work on your strengths and you experiment and these kind of things. So I think the Swedish school system is really good as well. Yeah, I, I know the Finnish system is very good, but for us it's like we're a little bit like this. So uh, I cannot say it too much good things about it. Then, but, uh, Yeah, it, um, they, they get a lot of, uh, they score very high on these tests. But if you look at Sweden and if you look at Stockholm, Stockholm scored the highest on number of um, unicorns per capita. They have the highest number of unicorns after San Francisco. And why is that? One reason is that in the school system, already at a young age, they teach you to think by yourself. It's not just memorizing. Actually, the the, the Swedish school system is quite good with this. Maybe I'm patriotic now, but to be honest, a lot of these things that we're talking about—creativity, entrepreneurship—are being taught already uh, in the Swedish school system. So, yeah. But um, no, I mean for sure. Like, I mean, the the whole of Scandinavia.
1: I mean, we—I didn't know about this uh, thing between Finnish and Swedish. uh, Sort of like a kind of hustle, <laughs> but yeah. but if you look at the whole thing, I mean the whole uh, you know Norway, Sweden, uh, okay. the overall uh, I mean the society, the way it's being structured, the way <laughs> you know uh, uh, you know the whole government actually works, um, and then the concept of the welfare state uh, mm. i mean it's been referred like throughout the whole world that um, I mean the, is the best system on on in the world right now uh, where everything perfectly works fine. Uh, so obviously education has got a lot to do with it for this to yeah. work fine. Uh, so they must be doing something right which the rest of the world should follow.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, they, they are, but also of course uh, it's much easier when you're only 10 million people in Sweden, you're 10 million in Norway, I think there's 6 million in Finland, four or 5 million. That's like, uh, I don't know how many are in Islamabad. Islamabad is about uh, 3 million. Yeah, so that's like half of Finland or half of Norway. So, Correct. so yeah, we're, we're smaller countries, so it's easier than we have a little bit of advantage yeah, with and that. We have, then we have karate who has got like uh, about uh, 30 million. Yeah, that's more than whole Scandinavia, you know. <laughs> right. So, But, uh, yeah no the, the Scandinavian uh, model works quite well. And one thing with the Scandinavian model is that uh, you're okay to question like uh, it's okay to question your teacher, your boss uh, it's not just that the teacher is feeding you information. you can also raise your hand and, and ask like question what they 're talking about you know you're early on they they teach you to think for yourself, which uh, whole Scandinavia is quite good with this thing and I think that adds to the entrepreneurial uh, like Finland as well has a lot of startups and uh, gaming startups and um,
0: yeah. So,
1: yeah. so um, we have about roughly nine minutes to go. So, um, just quickly wanted to touch upon, um, um, on your advice thing. Like, although we're going to be talking about like, uh, um, you know, your last bit, what you're going to be adding on to it. But in terms of the actual, uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem, now you have actually seen in Pakistan, you interacted, although you, you were not there for long, but at least you, you got the feel of it. Um, I mean, what would you recommend based on your interactions over there? That uh, I mean, I mean uh, the system is very young, so what yeah are we doing something right, or shall we change something or
2: yeah I, I was only there for what three three days or four days. I hope I can come longer next time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities, uh, and I saw a lot of uh, hungry young entrepreneurs there's a lot of people that came up to me and wanted to share their ideas and so, so I think. Um, I think there's a bright future if you can manage to, uh, you know, deal with the corruption and the security, which is not on your table, I guess. But if your That's politicians really can, <laughs> yeah, uh, if your politicians can uh, deal with the corruption and the security issues, then I think Pakistan's entrepreneurial future is very, very bright. See, mm-hmm. the, there's a big uh, young community that is hungry; they want to learn, and uh, with technology everyone has the opportunity to, to start something uh, global, you know. So, no, I'm, I'm positive. I, the, I mean, the ecosystem, I didn't see much, so I cannot really say much about it. But I, what I saw when I was walking around the, on the Lift Pakistan event, which you did a great job with, um, I saw a lot of young, hungry entrepreneurs that I'm sure will have a bright future. Okay, great. Um now w- with that ecosystem like obviously
1: slowly evolving i mean obviously the you know the safety situation i mean if you compare that with the, uh 3 years ago uh, i think it's just um, amazing now um i mean the people were the way we actually were dealing with the, most of the people including yourself came in i mean you you ha- you could freely move around there was no problem um i mean people like initially i mean they are still in that mindset that uh, you know, people started asking how, um, have you actually taken security out? Are they going to be actually, um, you know, following them? There's going to be a car in front of them and back. And they said, no, <laughs> nothing is going to be there because now yeah. it's not that kind of situation. So you yeah, could really move around and that was the best thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I told some people, uh, I don't know if I told you, but I, I asked uh, about 10 friends before I was going to Pakistan. And five of them said, are you crazy? You're going to get kidnapped. And the other five said, You're going to have a great time. Don't worry. It's super safe. Everything's going to be great. And the difference between those five were that the five that said it's going to be safe, they've been to Pakistan. And the five that said, No, no, you're going to be kidnapped, they've never been to Pakistan. They just read uh, some weird news somewhere, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt, of course, uh, in good hands with your
1: team. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for that scenario, you know, like when you actually turn up in any country and then, um, you know, even if nobody's there um, and then you just take a, you know, Uber or Kareem or like any other service and then you just go to the hotel or destination. I think that's the ideal situation we want. So, I mean, at that point in time, maybe like the person uh, who actually arrives um, by themselves for the first time, maybe like we have to give them like a hand with that, but Apart from that, I think we will soon get to the situation where I mean anybody can come in and then they'll find a way like you are arriving in Zurich or London or um, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, Paris yeah so, 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 so next year you can save costs. you don't have to send an airport pickup, but just take a Karim uh, or sure. Uber from the airport so exactly so
1: I mean I'm, I'm really glad I mean there was a time I mean literally three, four years ago, there was a time that uh, we wouldn't have taken the risk to like invite that many people from all over the world so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's, uh, that's that. Uh, and secondly, you were ta- uh, talking about the actual, um, uh, you know, the corruption. And I think, especially after the new government has come in, um, I think uh, the really good thing is uh, that they are actually tackling that heads on. Um, I mean, it hasn't happened before. This is, uh, I mean, I think last time it was tried was the beginning uh, of 2000. Um, but uh, I mean, obviously they. The government at that time like didn't actually follow up on it, and this is the first time I think they are following up. But it's very early to say that they're going to be um, consistently go behind the culprits. Uh, but uh, I think they they are taking steps, I would say. The right. I, I
2: follow Mr. Khan. I follow Mr. Khan on uh, Twitter now, so okay. uh, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, you you know when uh, when things would happen. I mean, obviously they want to take it, but they, I think the approach they are taking is to uh, do it through the institutions rather than uh, cracking them and just picking up without uh, like any evidence and all that. So it's, um, it's moving in that direction, I guess. So um, Oscar, it was um, amazing. It was great discussion. I think we talked um, very like uh, you know in an um, open way. Uh, <laughs> it didn't have to be like that uh, in a very Professional. So, um, go ahead, please, if you want to leave some message or you want to say something to audience, uh, anything, please fire away.
2: Yeah, no, I was, uh, nice to, nice experience I had in Pakistan. It was really good to, to come and see for myself. And I felt completely safe. And now I'm a, i am I mean, I did a, a YouTube video series when I was for my travels that I, so now I can tell everyone that I meet that Pakistan has a bright future. So I think it was good for me to come and see that. And uh, yeah, I, I have. If you want to follow, I have a website called Strategic Tech Coaching where I talk about these things: strategies, technology, and coaching. And on there, I have a, a podcast as well where I interview uh, uh, experts from all over the world. Yeah, like you said, I interviewed George when uh, when I was in uh, Pakistan. Uh, I hope I can come back next year for for Lyft, and uh, that then I hope we can. In, I can interview more of your guest speakers. And, uh, see you maybe more. I, I love mountains. So I hope uh, I get to see more of the beautiful mountains in Pakistan. No, this uh, next time is going to be
1: a entirely different. I think we're going to ask you to come for a little longer so we can uh, take you into the mountains and everything. So maybe like some skiing trips and, um, uh, just like tracking and all that. So yeah, definitely for sure. Um, but uh, you would have to promise us to actually come for a longer period of okay. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. all right. Thank you, um, Oscar. Uh, thanks a lot for taking our time. Um, you know, I think many of uh, the viewers would, uh, and uh, usually what happens is uh, not everybody tunes in. Um, and uh, today's Sunday, so I think it's a little late night for them anyway. So um, many people would watch it afterwards. So anybody who's watching afterwards, after the live, uh, leave a message and myself and Oscar would be able to uh, uh, reply those comments. Um, if you have any particular question, And all of those people who are actually came to during the Lift Pakistan Conference, um, I've um, uh, promised, I've got the promise from them to kind of like interact with our startups. So if any of the things you uh, need mentoring, you have specific questions from those people, by all means, leave a message. I'm going to be doing interviews pretty much with everyone. Um, And this was just uh, the start. So soon I'm going to be doing with George and many other many other guests uh, um, have done that. Uh, so thank you, thank you, Oscar.
0: thank you, thank you. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that um, our little discussion that we had. And as always, you can go to strategictechcoaching.com and subscribe to Procrastination Eliminator. By doing that, you get a lot of free videos on how you can increase your productivity and. Uh, get more things done basically uh, also f- follow on instagram strategic tech coaching and uh, i hope you already subscribed to the show if not subscribe to the podcast we have a lot of interesting guests coming in 2019 and yeah thank you so much for listening thank you for listening to the strategic tech coaching podcast with your host oscar and we'll catch you next time